0: Hi there, we're your IP consultants. This is about to be highly indulgent. So sit back and unpack your anti-convulsants, and we'll tell you where to shove your Stanleys and Vulcans. We'll use this device for unsolicited advice. You didn't ask us for it, but you can't beat the price. We offer up
1: our services from the US to Sweden. We're your IP consultants, Vincent and everybody, and welcome to IP Consultants, where we help you find your fighting spirit. My name is Ian. And my name is Vincent. And today we are talking about Street Fighter. This one was suggested by listener... Matt Storm, a.k.a. Stormageddon, who he himself has several podcasts of his own. I think he's in the range of maybe 17 or 18,000 podcasts that he does. Quite a few. But he does a lot of gaming stuff, and he's a good friend of ours. So uh, we decided to do this one this week. The Street Fighter franchise, actually, the game itself had its 30th anniversary this year. The
0: first game or the second game?
1: The first game. Mm. So basically, they put out a series collection because the first game hit its 30th anniversary this And the collection has 12 different games in it, and yet somehow it doesn't get to four. Mm. It has Street Fighter 1, it has five different versions of Street Fighter 2, it has three different versions of Street Fighter 3, and it also has Street Fighter Alpha 1, 2, and 3.
0: And I'm gonna admit to something, I have very little relationship with the Street Fighter series. I've played a little bit of Street Fighter 2, I've seen the live-action movie a long time ago. And I watched the Street Fighter 2 animated movie, Japanese uncut version, this week. In fact, yesterday. <laughs> and I went into this week thinking, I have no idea what an actual good Street Fighter movie would be. My first thought was D- don't, because it seems like, oh, it's a fighting tournament, it should be a game and that's it. And I, I don't like sports and stories. I don't like sports outside of stories. I don't like sports, period. I don't like Quidditch. (laughs) I don't like pod racing. I don't like sports in my stories. So my thought was, fighting tournament? No, I don't I don't want that movie. But then I started thinking about it. Well, you know, it's called Street Fighter. The main character is Ryu, so my thought was, well, he is the Street Fighter. You can have him be a Street Fighter and still not have the story necessarily be about a Street Fighting tournament. And then I watched the Street Fighter 2 movie and I will say, I like that movie. Yeah, it's really good.
1: The animated movie is kind of the benchmark for what a live action Street Fighter movie should be.
0: And yet I have this thing, this sort of theory of when to do a remake and when to not do a remake. And my thought about remakes is if it's good and there's not really any specific different way of doing it that is significantly different and has a reason to be made, just leave it. That's my thought around remakes. Like my thought around the remake of Ghost in the Shell was like, don't do a remake of Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell is already a movie and there's nothing really wrong with it. So just leave it. And my thought was now kind of the same with Street Fighter in a way, because I think that movie just works.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. You're talking about making like a live action remake of an animated movie, right? Yeah,
0: that's the thing I would say as an IP consultant. Maybe don't do that. Yeah, somebody should really tell Disney things. Because they have four coming out next year. Yeah, and I'm not
1: interested. Not at all. Not in the least. Dumbo looks awful, but that's not what we're talking about here, we're talking about Street Fighter but I kind of agree with you in a way but there are, here's the thing I love adaptations of comic books and video games, obviously that's kind of one of the reasons why I do this show but I always consider live action adaptations more than I do animated adaptations because with an animated adaptation you can be closer to the fantastical source material because it's easier to animate people throwing fireballs than it is to actually have good fighters in live action, but But that said, the first Street Fighter live action movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme had one kind of major failing for it. A lot of people think it's very corny. It's that movie is purposefully camp. It's supposed to be kind of goofy because the guy who was writing it realized I'm writing a video game movie. Let's make this as goofy as we can. And they purposely made it camp. Zangief's lines are kind of proof of that. But it's called Street Fighter and there is not a single street fight in that movie.
0: Right. And the main character is not a Street Fighter. No, the main character is. Guile. Yeah, and he is notably not a Street Fighter. No, no, he's he is one of the characters who are not Street Fighters, and he's the main character. Well, he's in the Street Fighter game, so he technically is a Street Fighter,
1: but that's not like his occupation.
0: Well, yeah, but the titular Street Fighter is Ryu, and Ken is a Street Fighter, and there are characters in Street Fighter who are specifically Street Fighters. Guile is a military person.
1: Yeah, but he has his connection to the storyline of the game, which is to overthrow Bison from the Shadowloo terrorist organization. That said, that is a fighting tournament in the game. Ryu is one of the only characters who is in every single game. In the first game, you could only play as Ryu. Right. In the first Street Fighter game, you were Ryu and that was it. If Player 2 joined, they were Ken and that was it. Right. Also, for some reason, Ryu had red hair. Whatever. Um. <laughs> well, that might have something to do with palette limitations. Or it was totally back, a palette or thing, yeah. background clashing. But uh, it's still entertaining. So Ryu is the actual main character of the game, if you want to get into semantics about things, the live action Street Fighter movie that we got was Jean-Claude Van Damme, has Guile being the main character because Guile is the American character, except that... Ken is also American.
0: (laughs) Ken is also American. And a Street Fighter. They could have made it about, you know, if they had
1: to. But Guile is the all-American character because he's got a tattoo of the American flag on his bicep and he's in the military except that we had him played by a Belgian. Right. So... (laughs) There's a lot of things wrong with that movie. I still love the original live-action Street Fighter movie. The less said about the follow-up movie, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, the better, because that movie is absolutely awful.
0: Was that a sequel or a prequel or a reboot? What, what kind of movie was that? It was kind of a prequel, but kind of
1: not associated with the original movie at all. So more of a preboot. Uh, a preboot. Yeah. Takes place before the Street Fighter tournament. Uh, you've got a few of the characters. They don't have everybody in it. And uh, for some reason, Bison is Irish. <laughs> It's it's a mess. Taboo from Black Eyed Peas plays Vega. It's an interesting movie in that it is a barrel of suck.
0: By the way, before we get too deep into all this, I have to say I'm probably going to get names really wrong during this conversation because I watched the Japanese version and as some people may know, there was a bit of a mishap in the translation of the game where three characters got their names swapped around. That's It's not a mishap though. They did that purposely. You're talking about how Bison is named vega
1: balrog is named m bison and vega is is named uh balrog balrog yes so the boxer in japan is named m bison because the boxer is an analog for mike tyson yes and they changed it in america Because
0: they thought, eh, that's really too close. We're going to get sued. So So instead of making up new names, they swapped the names around with three characters. Yes. It's a very strange solution to it. Instead of just going, okay, Vega is Vega, Balrog is Balrog, and M. Bison, let's call him something else. Let's make up a new name. No, instead they swapped them around. They just, they rotated them. Yes, they rotated them. They didn't
1: include Sagat in that. You know, why not? Let's use all four bosses because Sagat appeared in the first game. Sagat was the final boss in the first game. Right. There is that little misnomer of getting the names right in different versions.
0: Right. And since I watched a Japanese movie that was subtitled without changing the names, I kind of know of these characters now as their original names. Uh, And uh, it might get a little confusing. That's fine. I just have to get this straight. When you say M. Bison, you're talking about the character I would know as Vega. And when you say Vega, you're talking about the character I would know as... Balrog. Balrog. And when you say Balrog, you're talking about the character I would know as M. Bison. Correct. Yes. Although he was barely in International the lines, people. International lines. Yeah. So um, can we talk about what the movie was about that made it more interesting than a fighting tournament?
1: So there are street fighters in the Street Fighter 2 movie. There are street fights in the Street Fighter 2 movie. Yes. Street fighters are being
0: kidnapped and
1: brainwashed. So, sort of. They're being kidnapped and brainwashed. Uh, we see Cammy in the opening sequence. Also, one of the things I really want to touch on before we get too deep into this, the way they incorporate the characters from the game in this animated movie versus the way they did it in the live action movie is much cleaner. It's much easier to follow. You're not trying to follow 12, 15 characters all at once. They introduce them in a scene and maybe that's it. And maybe we don't see them again, Uh, which is great because you're able to follow a through line of what actually the plot is instead of seven different plot lines going through (laughs) (laughs) because that's what we had in the live action version. You had Ryu and Ken who were undercover for Guile, working in Shadow Lou, which uh, for some reason in the animated m- movie is called Shadow Law. Yeah, I was getting a little confused about that. In the games, it's always Shadow Lou. In the animated movie, it's called Shadow Law. But anyway, the the overarching plot in the animated film is that yes, Shadow Law is finding the best fighters in the world, kidnapping them, brainwashing them to make assassinations.
0: Yeah, they're, they're becoming
1: terrorists. They're becoming terrorists, taking out people in the opening sequence. Cammy takes out a anti-drug politician and they've got footage of Ryu fighting Sagat from the end of the first tournament and his fighting level is very high. It's over 3,000. I really wanted to put an over 9,000 joke in there but it, whatever. It's under 9,000. It's under 9,000 but over 3,000. But they're they're searching for Ryu because he's a very skilled fighter the most skilled fighter they've ever seen so they're sending out these robots who have
0: like half Terminator faces which all the robots kind of look like skinny versions of Sagat. They call them cyborgs. I don't know that there's any specific reason why they're cyborgs and not androids. Yeah, they're, they're basically androids. They're called something slightly different in the dubbed
1: version. So, they're sent out to find fight fighters. They find Ken who trained with Ryu, and they kidnap Ken. And basically Ryu is just wandering because after the first tournament, he kind of disappeared. So, that's why Shadow Law is looking for him. Captain Guile of the Air Force and Chun-Li from Interpol are teaming up to try to bring down Shadow Law and so stop them from kidnapping these fighters. And they're going around to different fighting tournaments, different street fights around the area to stop the bots from capturing their data and possibly kidnapping those fighters because they're looking for good fighters. And that's how we see a lot of the different characters from the game because they're incorporated in different street fights around the world. Right. So you've got the overarching Shadow Law terrorist plot, but you also have it intermixed with different street fights around the world that they're going to and observing to find the fighters. And it's a much better, much cleaner plot than the movie had.
0: Right. Right. And that's the plot. The story. <laughs> is something that to me was a real delightful surprise because (laughs) the story, at least as I interpreted it, was Ryu and Ken trained together under the same master. This is all sort of told in flashbacks and exposition. They trained under the same master and they formed a deep bond. I would say an unspoken romantic bond. This was at least the subtext he got from the subtitled version. Yeah, the the uncut version with all the romantic music and lingering uh, love loving stares between these two characters, and it's kind of beautiful. They formed what I perceived to be a, a romantic, unspoken bond, and something happened that is kind of not fully explained. In my mind, Ken told Ryu that he has feelings for him. That's what happened in my mind, and you cannot convince me otherwise. He told Ryu, I have feelings for you, or he tried to kiss him, or something happened, and Ryu freaked out and couldn't quite cope with it because he wasn't ready to face his own feelings feelings and they slid apart. Ken went back to America, to Seattle, and he has been trying to move on. He's found someone new and he's getting engaged. He's trying to sort of forget Ryu because Ryu has taken long enough and not said anything, not tried to contact him. So clearly the stuff that he thought they had, the ship has sailed and so he's moving on. And meanwhile, Ryu is also having these flashbacks that seem to suggest that his feeling is Ken is the one that got away and he kind of regrets not responding (laughs) to his advances or whatever happened and now Ryu is just sort of wishing he had done things differently and kind of met Ken at his level and now they're far apart and Ken is moving on and they need closure of some sort. At the end of the movie they kind of get a sort of closure because Ryu sees that Ken is with someone new he's moved on and now it's time for Ryu to just sort of keep walking and it ends with him walking barefoot on the road to nowhere while Ken drives off in the other direction with this new fiance. And it's this sort of tragic love story that to me drives the movie. That's an interesting interpretation. It's also a correct interpretation. I don't agree with that because everything that you're speaking on is
1: subtext, not text. And it's also sub sub subtext if it's even subtext. But that said, you did see the Japanese version with subtitles and I saw the uncut US version dubbed with a different soundtrack. That's which is the only version I could get out my hands on it has the Japanese soundtrack it just also had 90s grunge bands on top of it (laughs) so it has Alice in Chains and Silverchair in the moments when Ken is driving but in the flashbacks it has the original Japanese music that said they trained together and the reason of their split is because their master who we never see but only hear Goken says to them your training is complete we're sending you back so Ken leaves to go back to America and Ryu is still in Japan to do whatever fighting around there but they had trained together Ken says several times in the film there's only been one fighter who's been able to beat me and that was Ryu he says that in his fight with T-Hawk and T-Hawk's like you compare me to Ryu how dare you and like wait a minute, t you're definitely not as good as Ryu, but Ken wants a rematch with Ryu, at least that's the actual text of the thing. What you're seeing I'm not saying is wrong, but I'm saying is very, very much below the surface of what is actually said in it. And again, I saw a translation of it, so maybe what you saw didn't get translated into the version that I saw. I'm not arguing that, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying at least in the version that most people know that subplot of subtext isn't really there. Sure. But regardless of that fact, in the climax of the film, Ken has been captured, Ken has been brainwashed, and Ryu has to fight Ken in order to get him not being brainwashed and to get to the boss of Shadowloo for me, which was Bison, for you, which is Vega, and kind of defeat Shadow Law and stop them from their world domination and brainwashing. And the cool thing about the Street Fighter 2 animated movie... Except for what I just said. Except for what you just said. <laughs> I'm talking about as far as the games go, is that it inspired a lot of things to come in some of the games. In the fight where Ryu has to fight a brainwashed Ken before getting to M. Bison, in one of the alpha games, if you're playing as Ryu, Ken is your sub-boss just before Bison. You have to fight a brainwashed Ken. In the final fight of the movie, both Ryu and Ken are teaming up against fighting Bison, and they made that into the Switch version of Street Fighter 2. Ultra Street Fighter 2, the final challengers, is the name of the Switch version. And in that version, there is a special mode where two players can play to fight uh, Bison. Or you can play as a single player controlling both Ryu and Ken at the same time. There's also a first person mode which uses motion controllers with the Switch controls. And you can throw Hadoukens in first person. It's weird. But the really cool one is both Ryu and Ken teaming up to fight Bison. That actually got worked into a game. People had been asking for it for years when the movie came out in 94. And they finally did it on a Switch game last year. So it's kind of cool how the movie itself influenced the game. But now we really need a good live action movie where the game is influenced the live action movie, a lot better than the two that we've gotten. And so where do we go from there? Other than straight adapting the animated movie, what kind of things do we want to see in the Street Fighter movie that is beyond what we've seen in the other ones that clearly were
0: lackluster? To me, the number one thing I want to see, if anything, because again, I'm not sure I want to see anything because (laughs) to me, I'm satisfied with what I saw. I'm pretty well satisfied. Sure, sure. There are a couple of minor things, but like if you were going to make a movie about Street Fighter, to me, the number one most important thing to get me interested in Street Fighter is to have that romantic tension between Ryu and Ken. Whether it was intentional in the movie I watched or not it was there and i want that in the street fighter whatever whatever it is i want that to be part of it because that was the part of the movie that i was invested in the whole terrorist plot is like that's plot i'm not that interested in plot i am mostly about character and story and to me the story was about ryu and ken and their relationship whether it was about them you know fighting or whether it was about their secret romance. Their unspoken love, making Ken a bisexual icon. Yeah, to me, Ken is a bisexual character and Ryu is a closeted gay man. And I thought that made the movie so much more compelling than it would have been if it were just the text of they had a fight and one of them won and the other one wants a rematch. I don't care about rematches. I don't care about fighting for the sake of fighting. I don't care about who's the best (laughs) fighter. I care about what matters, which is the love that these two characters once almost had. That longing, that is what drives it to me. And if you're going to do anything with Street Fighter, that to me is the main thing. That's not to say that that should be the main thing in the plot, but that should be the underlying story. And I would love for that to be, you know, actually text, as opposed to slightly ambiguous or whatever you want to call it. To me, it was not ambiguous. Clearly. But I, I definitely want it to be part of it, because to me, that is what I care about, is that thing. And I I mean, one thing you could do with the Street Fighter movie is to make another animated movie, a sequel to Street Fighter II, the animated movie, Street Fighter II, the animated movie (laughs) 2. Because it's called Street Fighter II and it's not a sequel. so weird for a movie to be called 2 when it's not a sequel. Because it's based on the second game. Yeah.
1: They give you kind of basically, the very opening of that movie is what is essentially the end of the first Street Fighter game. Right. Which is Ryu versus Sagat.
0: Right, but they could have just called the movie Street Fighter subtitle. They didn't have to put the number 2 in the movie title because it's not a sequel. It's, well, it's a sequel to the game, sort of, I guess, but. It's a movie of the game.
1: Yeah, but like. It's a movie of the popular game because the first Street Fighter game wasn't popular.
0: Yeah, but they could have called it Street Fighter Shadow Law or something.
1: Yeah, they made a TV series after that, uh, Street Fighter 2 V, and they also made Street Fighter Alpha animated series. And while neither of them are direct sequels to that, they definitely take elements and voice cast from the animated movie. Oh, by the way, a little side note here. You didn't get this in your version, but in my version, because it was the dubbed version, Fei Long, one of the first fighters we meet, who's an actor in Hong Kong, Kong, the Bruce Lee analog from the games. Yeah. The first fight Ryu gets on his journey is with Fei Long. Fei Long is voiced by Brian Cranston. Huh. But he's not billed as Brian Cranston. He has to use a different name because of reasons. I'm not exactly sure what the reasons I'm are. I'm sure
0: it had something to do with the WGA. That's usually the case. Something like that. Yeah, it's usually what it is. Because he was probably a member and the dub production was not affiliated with... Was not union. Yeah, that happens a lot. So it is Brian Cranston's voice.
1: And you can really tell in one or two lines that he shouts. You're like, oh, that's definitely Brian
0: Cranston. He popped up in Sabrina the Teenage Witch as well, which I uh, just binge watched. <laughs> <laughs> Sabrina, the original
1: Sabrina series. Yeah. And he's also in the Clerks cartoon, which is great. Oh, yeah. But I always thought it was kind of cool that the one voice actor that I recognized in the dubbed Street Fighter was Brian Cranston. So (laughs) but anyway, basically what you're touching on in what you want to see in a Street Fighter movie is a key element as far as characterization. In the first live action Street Fighter movie that we saw, we didn't see characters. We saw essentially cosplayers. None of them really had character traits. They were just kind of flat one-dimensional people that had the outer lying of what we see in the game, but nothing really deeper than that. And I think basically you're touching on the element of what we really should see with any movie is deep character development. Yes, And in a good movie. Again, not saying the first Street Fighter movie is bad. I love that movie, and I think it's great. And Raul Julia's final performance is amazing in it. He's what really honestly saves that movie. But really, it should be very hyper-focused, I think, on one character and have these other characters come in the way it does in the animated movie. Yeah. Have them come in for a scene or two and just kind of like, okay, they're the backstory. We're following this one story, this one person's journey. You know, keep it a little more focused. The reason the first live action Street Fighter movie is such a mess on focus is because A, they were rushed to put it out by Christmas. That's always good. And B, Capcom kept coming up to them and saying we need you to put this character in because it was between the time when Street Fighter 2, the new challengers came out and they had added four new fighters to the game. Because remember, there's like five or six different versions of Street Fighter 2 that happened. You know, you have (laughs) two, you have two Championship, you have two Hyper Fighting, you have Super Street Fighter 2, the new Challengers, you have Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, you have all those different versions, and it was between when Hyper Fighting and Super Street Fighter 2 with the new Challengers happened. So they had four new characters that they were telling the movie makers to cram into the movie. They got everybody from the games in except for Fei
0: Long. This is the equivalent to if nowadays a game company would be pestered a movie studio to put in things from the DLC. Yeah, exactly.
1: So they got everybody in except for Fei Long. Instead, they had, because they were also required to cast a specifically Japanese actor so that the movie would do well in the Japanese market, they hired this actor whose only name I remember is Sawada because his character is also named Captain Sawada. Um, (laughs) And so they have him in it. In the Japanese version, he has more dialogue, but other than that, in the version released in the US, he's barely a footnote in it. So they have all the characters in there and they're all crammed in there with a shoehorn. The guy who plays T-Hawk, you barely know that he is T-Hawk. You've got DJ as a villain. You've got Balrog as a good guy. Zangief saves that movie as well as Raul Julia because he's so damn funny. But they're all just kind of shoved in and crammed together and it doesn't gel. They're all cardboard cutouts. Yeah, they're all cardboard cutouts. I do love this shot, but it's so great and wrong at the same time where at the end of the movie they all do the victory pose at the end of the game. They all do their, you know, Guile is combing his hair and Chun-Li is jumping up in the air and Balrog is flexing or whatever, whatever it is. They all do that pose at the end of the movie that's from the end of the game. And I love that, but it's also terrible. Right. And let's delve into how are they able to throw a fireball? You know, let's actually have those elements because there's a flash in the movie that we see that may have been a fireball, but he was also standing close and hit him with his fists. You know, let's have discussion about how Ryu is focusing his chi and actually bringing in elements to throw a Hadouken. You know, have something like that.
0: For listeners who aren't familiar with Street Fighter, basically the street fighting, quote unquote, in Street Fighter is basically mixed martial arts plus a supernatural heightened element of sorts.
1: Yeah, a lot of characters have projectiles. Yeah. Special moves. Which, you know, because it's a fighting game in the arcades, you have special moves that you can throw projectiles so that you can attack your opponent from across the screen. Ryu throws fireballs, Ken throws fireballs, Dalzim, the Indian fighter, spits yoga fire. Other characters can throw themselves across the screen. Ihanda does a sumo tackle where he just kind of flies like a spear across the screen. Sagat has what he calls a tiger fireball that he can shoot while he's standing or crouched. Chun-Li flips upside down and turns into a helicopter with her legs called the spinning bird kick. They gave her a fireball in later games that only goes half screen. It's really interesting. There's character development with Chun-Li in the games where through the games her fireball gets better because she's been using it more. But I think let's actually delve into how they're able to do that in the movie, because a lot of people are just going to be like, we're expecting to see it because we've seen the games. And they kind of threw it in in the movie because they were like, we need to make elements from the game be here. There's really no rhyme or reason to it. Right. They shot a lot of the fighting sequences in the live action movie with the second unit because their time was so crunched. And the director sees it and goes, none of them are doing moves from the game. We need to redo some of these fight sequences to give them their signature moves so that we can work it in because it's got to be based on the game, which is admirable and shameful at the same time. If the movie hadn't been done in such a crunch. And also everybody in the movie got sick because they were drinking the water where they were and they shouldn't have. That movie was just a mess from production to finished product. And I'm amazed it's as good as it is (laughs) from the final version. But we're talking about how we're going to do a new one. I say obviously we're going to focus on Ryu and his warrior's journey but let's delve into the character of Ryu and why we should care about following him and what his relationship is with Ken, be it Brothers Who Train or something deeper. And here's the thing there have been technically numerically five Street Fighter games now. We are up to Street Fighter V in the numbering of the games, not including the Alpha games, which technically the Alpha series is a prequel game series to the original Street Fighter series. So do we do a movie of the alpha games? Do we do a movie of Street Fighter 2? Because that's the one everybody knows. Which game do we start with? I, I, do we start with I, just Street Fighter? Because Street Fighter is specifically just Ryu's journey because you're just following Ryu, going through a fighting tournament. There's no overlapping plot of Shadow Shadowloo or anything like that. Which game do you think we focus on for the first movie?
0: Well, since I haven't acquainted myself with all the plots of all the games, I can't answer that. But I can answer how I as an audience member would like to be introduced to these characters other than the way I was introduced to them in the animated movie, which I thought was a fine introduction. The number one thing that I want, the first thing is to establish Ryu as a street fighter. That's the first thing. The first thing is I want to go into the theater and I want to see Ryu do his little prep routine over the synthwave music or whatever. (laughs) He does a prep routine and then he goes into a street fight, an actual street fight on the streets, he's gonna fight somebody, some other character, I don't know, and this fight is going to establish that Ryu is a street fighter and then, after that, I wanna see this street fighter thrown into a situation he is not prepared for, i.e. a situation that is not about street fighting tournaments but about an adventure that this street fighter goes on, whatever it may be whether it is Shadow Law or Shadow Lu or whatever happens in the Alpha games or whatever. Alternatively, another way of doing it is to start it off with training and have it be Ryu and Ken training under the same master and then whatever happened happens and Ryu goes and becomes a Street Fighter. So like those are the two ways that you go into it for me because the first thing I as an audience member, imagining myself as someone who doesn't know anything about Street Fighter as opposed to someone who just watched the Street Fighter animated movie, the first question of an audience member has is, what's a street fighter? Who is the street fighter? Why is this movie called Street Fighter? I want those questions answered pretty quickly because sure I don't want to sit through this movie going, why is it called Street Fighter? All this stuff is happening, but it's not on the streets. There's fighting. You know, I want a fight on the streets pretty early on. But after that, I don't want the movie to be about a fighting tournament. A fighting tournament can be part of what leads to the adventure. But I don't want I don't want to sit around wondering who's going to win in a fight between two fighters because one of them is going to be the winner of the fight. And that's the thing that is at stake. Those are not stakes to me It is not who's the best fighter. <laughs> stakes to me are things that the character can actually care about emotionally as opposed to just, am I the better fighter? So basically, you're saying you don't want what every other Street Fighter
1: fan wants, which is basically blood sport, but with Street Fighter characters.
0: Yeah, I've <laughs> seen Bloodsport and it's neat, I guess. But it's, I don't. You're not a sports movie fan. Yeah, I don't care about sports movies. I don't care about sports. So, to me, that's not the thing that should be at stake for me to care about it. For me to care about it, it has to be about something else. And that's what I like about the whole Shadow Law thing, because it's not about the street fighting tournament. It's about finding street fighters and turning them into something else. Yeah. Which is, to me, that's interesting because they're killing people and they're doing bad stuff. And they're also, you know, using mind control, which is something that is compelling because it's horrifying, as we've touched upon with the puppet master. So that's, to me, as an audience member who does not care for sports movies, I don't want it to be about a street fighting tournament, but there can still be street fighting in it because that's how you establish the world and the characters. And I I think as far as
1: the general populace, as far as getting people who are not familiar with the games, that's probably the better approach to go with it as anyway, because it's called Street Fighter. And sure, that's because that's the name of the game and that's what the focus of the game is. But in order to get people into the movie, having it be beyond that, because there are people who don't like sports movies like yourself, and one actual plot and something beyond just a fighting tournament. Every other video game turned into a movie that the video game is about a fighting tournament. The movie is about a fighting tournament. They've made movies of Mortal Kombat, and the fighting tournament is to save the world because you're fighting in Netherrealm. They've made two live-action movies of Tekken, and it's based around the fighting tournament. There's the Dead or Alive live-action movie, which is based around a fighting tournament, which ironically kind of borrows the plot from the animated Street Fighter movie because he's made this fighting tournament. The main guy, played by Eric Roberts, has made this fighting tournament to kind of see the best fighters and then capture their fighting abilities and put them in a pair of sunglasses so that he can be a good fighter. That movie's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's a King of Fighters movie, which is kind of not really well known. It's another movie based on a fighting video game that itself is about a fighting tournament. And a lot of people wanted that for the Street Fighter movie. But honestly, the plot of the Street Fighter games is so much more than the actual street fighting. Yes, absolutely. Let's have the Street Fighting tournament be an element of it, but not let it be the plot of it. Let's not going the route of the Dead or Alive movie, obviously, where it lasts the whole movie. But let's introduce them as the street fighters, Ryu is a street fighter, but have him move out of the tournament completely agreeing with what you're saying here basically is what I'm doing. Uh, (laughs) And moving on to whatever the overarching plot is. While still retaining elements of the game to put in there, the different fighters come up in separate scenes, etc. But let's give it a little bit more focus than it has had in the past with previous live action entries.
0: Right, because to me, the whole thing about a fighting tournament being the driving plot part of a movie is, even if they're fighting in a fighting tournament in order to etc even if it's like oh it's the same thing as like we gotta put on a show in order to save the theater like sure but you're just it's just an excuse to have a show in the show and it's like to me that's not a story that's cheating your way around the story and that's really why I don't want the fighting tournament to be the main part of the story because that's getting away from the story because the reason why it's a fighting tournament in the game is because it's a fighting game and that puts you in a position of you're doing the fighting as a player. Sure. Against another player or against the machine. And the thing that makes that good for a game is not a thing that makes for a good movie. Because what makes movies good is a different thing than what makes games good. And that's why so many movies based on games don't work. Because you gotta kind of think outside the box. Agreed. But that said, if
1: you don't have the elements from the game in the movie, if you don't have fighting in your Street Fighter movie. Well, yes, obviously. If you don't have Street Fighting in your Street Fighter movie, it's gonna fail on that point. So you have to at least acknowledge it and have it in there somewhat. Yes. Even if it's not the completely overarching
0: thing, it still has to be in there at some point. Yeah, I think the street fighting is part of establishing the characters rather than part of the solution. Yeah. And obviously there's going to be fighting as part of the solution because it's fighting based action. So there's going to be fights as part of the solution, but that doesn't need to be within the framework of a tournament. You don't solve the plot with a tournament. You go, these characters are introduced through street fights mm-hmm. and... And then you put them in a different context where they have to put those street fighting abilities to actual use as opposed to putting them to use within a tournament.
1: Again, using the framework of the animated movie, which did that very well. Yes. It introduced characters in street fights. You have Edmund Honda introduced in a fight with Dalzim. He shows up later. And you have those characters introduced in fighting as Ryu's traveling across the world. He's going to different locations. I don't know how he's traveling. He's just got a rucksack and no shoes. Is he flying? Is he getting on it's going anywhere. I don't know. We never see that. But he just shows up <laughs> in true. all these different places. Good point. Uh, but... <laughs> I think we're kind of talking in circles here because we were kind of basically saying the same thing over and over again but moving past that I had said which game do we start with if we're going to basically build from a game into a movie and while the alpha games do take place before all the games after that the alpha series 1, 2, and 3 take place before well actually I think they take place before 1 and then some of them take place during or between 2 and 3 and the order is very convoluted with the alpha games I'm honestly not super familiar with the alpha games I've played them a little bit, but I'm, I'm not super familiar with the plot of them. And I think that's going to be the also very true for the general populace who would be seeing this film. Most people are familiar with the cultural explosion that was Street Fighter 2. So focusing it on the second game and the characters from the second game is probably the best idea as far as making another live-action movie for Street Fighter. So basically, you're going to have people who are familiar with the 94 Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, and you have people who are familiar with the game. But while the characters... Maybe the same as those having it more hyper focused on one character and everybody else is a supporting character or another character that they meet to kind of push the plot along rather than have it overstuffed because here's another character from the game, which was the failing of the second Mortal Kombat movie. It had so many characters. They're just like, here's another character for five minutes and it doesn't really push the plot forward. They just put them in because they're in the game, Uh, making sure that it is, it is something that pushes the plot forward, not just having it because, Oh, recognition to, kind of serve the plot and serve Ryu's journey as a hero and serve the overarching plot, whatever it may be, be Shadow Law, although if you're going to do two, it's going to be Shadow Law, and serving that to an ultimate purpose of making a actually decent video game movie, something that people who are familiar with the game will enjoy and people who are not familiar with the game will enjoy. That's kind of been the feeling with a lot of video game movies is that it's being seen as too niche of an audience, only appealing to video game fans, and when video game fans see it, they see it as it's not quite living up to what I expect from the game and as when general audiences see it they go oh this is goofy because it's based on a video game. The only one that has slightly worked and also leaned into the skid as far as embracing the goofy elements of it has been Rampage of all things. Rampage is the video game movie adaptation that has the highest score on Rotten Tomatoes not that that aggregate should be used as a pinpoint model for things especially
0: since the highest score is still a 51%. (laughs) I actually haven't heard anyone's opinion on that film. Really? No, I've I've not heard anyone talk about that movie since it came out. I don't even know that I knew that it had come out. I knew there were trailers and people were sort of talking about, oh, this looks silly. And then nobody was talking about it. Oh, yeah, I saw it in theaters and
1: it's great. Really? I don't know if it's the best video game movie, but it is definitely the most popular. Tons of people were talking about it when it came out because they were like, oh, this looks ridiculously goofy. Then people saw it and went, it's actually really good. It's really funny. It's goofy, but on purpose. And it's very self-aware goofy. Goofiness. not in the campy form that the Street Fighter movie is. But there's elements of it like this is a big action movie. We've got explosions and giant kaiju, basically. But also there's a corporate overlord kind of plot thing. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous movie, but it owns its ridiculousness. And it's what makes it work.
0: Oh, I might have to check that out then. You should, because it's fun. Because this is the first time I've heard anyone talk about having seen that movie. <laughs> I, of
1: course, own it because I have that sickness where if it's based on a video game, I, I have to own it. But it's definitely a good movie. And I think video game adaptations going forward should kind of use a little bit of the template of what made Rampage good. Not so much the self-awareness of the goofiness of it, but kind of realizing that there are two different audiences that you have to appeal for. And you have to make both elements of those audiences, your target demographic, make both versions of those good. Make the part that you're appealing to the fans of the game, make that actually good. But also making the overarching thing for the general populace who are coming in to see this, who are not familiar with the source material, making that actually good, too. Right. And that's where a lot of the video game movies that are made fail because they don't try to make it good for both audiences that are seeing it. They're trying to make it. Here's all the references that the game people are going to like. And here's a plot. But because we've spent so much time trying to do both, both suffer and both aren't as good. So, you know, trying to give the focus to making both parts good so that everybody wants to see it rather than just the fans.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why you start with justifying the character, justifying the title, justifying the story and finding the depth in it. Absolutely. And as much as possible, finding the depth in what is already there to be found, such as, for example, the relationship between Ryu and Ken and their sort of unspoken romance. I think that's a linchpin of it, if that's the right use of that word, because that's something that is already there that can be explored. And it's something... I love that, how you're not giving up on that one. I am not giving up on that one, because to me that is the most interesting thing about Street Fighter at this point. And obviously you have to have street fighting, and that's how you build things up and then you have to have a story that we can get and a plot that we can get invested in and if you're gonna make Street Fighter Shadow Law, let's call it that for example, uh, let's not call it Street Fighter. Let's not call it Street Fighter 2. Let's call it Street Fighter Shadow Law so that like it or, or Shadow Blue or whatever it is so that we establish in the title that this is what it is. It is about a street fighter who is facing off against this thing.
1: Yeah. And also just to differentiate it from the live action one that came out in 94. So
0: yeah. And I think if you're going to use the animated movie as a bit of a template, I think there are things that you can reference but have resolved differently. Like, there's a moment in the movie, the animated movie, where Chun-Li is in a sort of vulnerable position. She is at a clear disadvantage and gets attacked by Balrog slash Vega, the guy with the claw. The Spanish fighter. Right. She does not have a claw, and she just came out of the shower. She is not... So she's in her underwear and a oversized t-shirt. Right. And she holds her own in that fight for a fair bit of that fight. There's also the unnecessary element of a bunch of panty shots... (laughs) Which, you know, you don't need those angles Because that fight Japanese anime That fight conceptually (laughs) If you set aside all the unnecessary over-sexualization of the character That is a good scene Except for the fact that she ends up in the hospital And is in the hospital for the rest of the movie And I think that scene would have been so much better If she had won that fight And then Guile comes in Well, she does win the fight
1: Mm -hmm. She does win the fight But she's succumbing to her claw wounds Right She
0: kicks him out of the building (laughs) Right, but that she does not end up in the hospital, but Guile comes in and in the last second he gets hurt. Guile ends up in the hospital because that to me is more interesting and less cliche. I would agree with that. Because the idea of like, oh, this is one of the two female characters in this story and one of them has already been kind of tossed aside and now we're tossing this character aside and I feel like you don't need that many dudes fighting and she's a good fighter. I think that scene is so much more badass if she actually makes it out of that fight and doesn't end up in the hospital. Or if she ends up in the hospital, she gets out of the hospital pretty quickly so that she's back in the fight. Because I don't like the idea of just sort of oh, we have a female character, let's throw her in the hospital so we don't have to have her around for the third act. (laughs) I feel like that's a bit, you know, wasteful and misogynist. I I would agree with that. And I don't feel like we need that in a quote-unquote remake of Street Fighter. Here's something that spawned in my brain while you were talking about
1: that. We have a focus on Ryu and can in this movie. But we also there is a subplot of Chun-Li and Guile. Yes. Because they are trying to capture Bison because Shadow Law is a terrorist organization and Chun-Li works for Interpol and Guile is a captain in the Air Force, but also an investigator, apparently. But they also both in the game and kind of hinted at in the movie have ties to Bison. There's a quick scene of Bison killing Chun-Li's father, throwing him off a cliff. There's a flashback to that scene. What would probably be really cool to do for these movies is you start with Ryu's movie and that is the main movie and he's meeting these characters in between getting to the end of the movie but characters like Guile, characters like Chun-Li who have a tie to wanting to take out Bison as well, for a sequel, it's the same movie just from their perspective. Hmm. Having their journey because the story is still personal for each of them. The story is still, because you play in the game you can choose which character you're playing as. Right. And that's a big focus of a lot of these fighting games. You're never playing as one character, except in the first Street Fighter game. You're never playing as one character. You're able to choose your different character, and every person who plays that game gets a different story because of who they played as. And I think maybe making that a focus for the movies. You know, you have this storyline. We've followed this one person's end of the story. Let's, for a sequel, follow the other end of that story. You know? These other characters are coming into the end the story after having met them along the journey, but we never see their end. Let's see their end. You know, why is Chun-Li so hyper-focused on this? Why is Chun-Li going through her story? Why is Guile? Because Bison killed Guile's friend in the military, Charlie. You know, so having their subplot that is tied into the overarching point of the story, let's see their things, but obviously not all together in one movie, which has been what we have seen. Let's focus on one character, and then for the next movie, do the same movie, just just from the other perspective. I think that would be really interesting. I think that's something that you can all shoot all together at the same time, just release them as, I'm kind of thinking of this like the Clue movie where it had three
0: different endings,
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) but let's let's make it three different movies, you know? I sense a small problem with this, which is when you've seen the first movie and the other movie, the second movie takes place at the same time and is about the same conspiracy, then you've got two movies and the second movie, you know how it's going to end. Yeah, but you're watching
1: that person's journey through that movie. Rather than worrying about how it ends, you're more worried about how that person got to that point, you know? There are scenes in the first movie where they meet those characters and then they go away for a while and then they, they see them again at the end. And their movie, following the first movie, you see how they started their journey, have that meeting, they move on their way and how they get to seeing them again at the end. What path they took to get to where the movie winds up. And I think based on the characters and their motivations, Is still an interesting movie, even though we know, quote unquote, how it ends. We don't know how that person's personal story ends. Their story could still go on after the ending of the first movie. We don't know that that's the ending for them. Mm. That's the ending of Ryu's movie, but that's not the ending of Chun Li's movie or Guile's movie.
0: So, whatever they're dealing with. Their journey for them could start
1: halfway through what Ryu has already done. And their path to getting to the end of the movie is a different path because we're only meeting them for one or two scenes in the other movie. We're seeing how they get to those scenes and then where their journey takes them, where their plot
0: moves them to the ending of what had started. But is that the end for them or not? Mm. That is an interesting angle because if their sort of three-act structure is such that the third act for them happens after the third act for Ryu, then I can see there being an an element of peril because then you don't know how it's going to end because the story goes on. So it's like a midquel to sequel. Yeah, a midquel. I can sort of see that as something that could work. It's a pretty tall order in terms of handing that gig to a screenwriter. (laughs) But there's theoretically a way in which that could work, possibly.
1: I don't doubt that this was spawned in my head from the trailer from Happy Death Day to You, which is a sequel to Happy Death Day. Uh, Happy Death Day came out like a year or two ago and The sequel takes place pretty much at the same time as the first movie, using the same characters. It takes place directly after it, but that's a Groundhog Day movie, basically, just a Groundhog Day horror movie. So they're using elements of the first movie into the second movie, as far as not even just flashbacks, but like going through the same shit over again.
0: So that may have spawned the idea in my brain. Oh, it just hit me. The Godfather Part 2 is a movie that takes place both before and after the previous film. It is simultaneously a prequel and a sequel. And I think maybe that's the approach to take, is you focus on the stuff that happened before before we saw them and the stuff that happens after we see them yeah. rather than the stuff that happens at the same time. I think the stuff that happens at the same time can be part of it, but not, yeah. not the focus of the film because, yeah, absolutely. because that's stuff we've already seen. So if you do the second movie about Gile and Chun-Li, and then also there's the additional thing of how do you justify the title for the Guy and Chun-Li movie as Street Fighter colon something. If Well, instead of calling it Street Fighter colon Shadow
1: Lu, you can call it Street Fighter Shadow Lu reuse Journey. Street Fighter Shadow Chun-Li's journey, you know, something like that.
0: Well, I mean, if we're going by the idea that the titular street fighter in the first movie is Ryu, then you could have it so that in the second movie, we get to see how Chun-Li got into Interpol via street fighting. Sure. Because then we have an excuse for why that movie is also called street fighter colon something. Yeah, because she is also a street fighter. Yeah. And I think if Shadow or Lu is defeated in the first movie, you don't necessarily have to have that be the main antagonistic force in the second movie. I think there's a possibility of having the bigger issue for Chun-Li and Guile be something else that they're dealing with externally to that, so that their story is intersected with the Shadow Law, Shadow Lu plot, but it's not necessarily entirely about that. Yeah. And it could be, yes, the Shadow
1: Lu elements of it are kind of a driving force, but the real plot for them is a revenge story. Right. Because Chun-Li is seeking revenge for her father. She just happens to be doing it. Under the auspices of Interpol, trying to capture this terrorist, but she really wants to capture the terrorist because she killed her father. Guile really wants to capture them because you know he killed his best friend Charlie in the military. So yes, there are the plots. Ryu's not (laughs) caring about anything like that. He's wrapped up in the Shadow Law thing and just ends up being the hero of that story. Right. So there are definitely angles you can take to it to make it be about that, but not about that because it is again a more personal story. You're focused on that one character and their motivation. Motivations as to why and how they get To the same places right but I think That's a good starting ground as far As something to do for A Street Fighter movie and then Beyond that Shadowloo Storyline and beyond the midquel Where you go with actual sequels it would Be to follow the actual games again The actual games are a fighting tournament and The fighting tournament is the impetus For the storyline in the Movie you know Ryu starts in the street Fighting tournament that's how we introduce him as a Street Fighter but his story starts in in Japan, where he is. Chun-Li's story starts in China. Guile's story would start in the Air Force, etc. But in the third movie, technically the second movie, <laughs> based on the third game, it starts again with the tournament and moves beyond that. I think would at least be a service to, you know, if they do expand beyond the idea of the first film. Okay, But obviously, we're only talking about one movie at a time here. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably about as far as we're going to get in discussing on this, because I think we may have Tapped all the ideas that we have. For a movie based on a fighting video game, it is hard to kind of pull a really good plot for it. Um, two movies have tried and failed. One animated feature tried and did it successfully. And again, as we've said through this podcast, using that as a template for your live action movie as a template, but not an exact remake, is a good start. But making sure that it is definitely more hyper-focused on one character and that character's development and that character's journey from the beginning to the end of the movie because that gives you a lot more focus and And that's been what has been severely lacking in the other films. Right. So I think that's all we can really say. Probably. So if you have an IP that you think we should discuss as the IP consultants, you can send us an email to IPConsultantsPodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet to us on Twitter at IPConsultPod. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash IPConsultPod. Of course, you can always listen to the podcast on Podbean, .podbean IPConsultants.Podbean.com com. We have a couple episodes up on YouTube. Not all of them are there yet, but they will be there eventually. You can find us all over the place. Once again, I have been Ian. And I have been Vincent. And we have been your IP consultants. Thank you very much. Have a tasteful tuna.